Arsenal podcast with me, Steve. And joining me tonight, I've got Liam. Welcome, mate. How are you? Yeah, good to be back again. Uh, we were just saying pre-show that uh, I'm becoming part of the furniture. It's your third time on the show. Fantastic work. Calvin, unfortunately, uh, is at home tonight. He's colour coordinated his Arsenal shirts, so that's why he couldn't join us tonight. But he should be back next week. Do you want to just jump into it? We've got two games to talk about tonight. We've got Benfica and Man City. Um, so let's get into it, man. Um, Benfica last week, uh, first leg, the away leg that was actually, in fact, in... Was it in Athens? Rome? Rome. Or was it... Well, it's Rome and Athens, and I can't ever remember which way round it is. I think it was Rome, but we were the away leg. Yeah. One of the two. Complete madness, if you ask me. Um, but yeah, we went to uh, Rome... Whichever and we, one it and was. we threw one all in the away leg. Give me your thoughts. Give me your feelings. I don't have a lot to There's not a lot to say about that game, if I'm honest. It was a really dull affair. It was boring and it was passive. It was... It's one of those that if it didn't mean anything, I know it does and, you know... But it's one that I'll very, very quickly forget unless we go out on Thursday. But in the largest, in the broader scheme of things, I'll largely forget about this game because the only real thing to note was Aubameyang missing a sitter and I'd rather not not think about that, if, if that makes any sense. That really surprised me. And then there was also the... There was two more there, wasn't there, in the second half? He did have a couple of chances. One flashed just wide and I'm, you're right, there was another one, but I can't remember it from the top of my head. Yeah, there was one where he sort of got into the position and he just, I think he like tried to pull it back and he lost the ball. He he was, he was just looked quite rusty, rusty didn't he? Um, the Aubameyang we saw against Benfica was pretty much the Aubameyang we've been seeing all season. Um, and I, I, you're right what you said, the game was a bit of a non-event. It was the sort of game where you, you know, you're just sort of looking at your phone, you're watching like other things on the television, you're not really paying that much attention. Um, seems to be like a lot of criticism of, of the team and the performance. I don't think we were, we were terrible. I feel like... I think we cruised it. I think we just smacked Leeds and we took our foot off the gas. So, yeah, we can see the two. We, we cruised Leeds a bit. And it was the exact same team. So I think there's a, a portion of it that goes, that's it's the same team that's just played at the weekend. And... That they must be like there was no rotation in there at all, and when you when you have when, even if you just rotate two and the nine other players in that squad are the, are still playing, the other two because they've got energy they raise the rest of the nine if that makes sense what I'm saying yeah so they raise just those two players like if you have a let's say Martinelli because he's an obvious example. He does his thing as he's come in, he's got fresh legs and he does his usual running around and is very bright, sparky, busy type player. That raises the levels of the guys around him. But when it's the exact same 11, and when you are tired, which is only to be expected, you haven't got anyone else in there to raise your level. So I think a part of it was we played the exact same 11 that were probably feeling tired from a long season, let alone just a weekend, and ultimately cruised cruised the game a little bit because Benfica weren't particularly brilliant either. I mean, dare I say five days, is it an adequate break? I'd certainly say so. From Sunday to Thursday, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it is five. You're right. It is five days still, which is longer than other periods we had. Like Thursday to Sunday is significantly harder. Um, but it, you have to factor in we've had to travel abroad. There's probably other sort COVID restrictions that mean you can't be out and about doing things and being outside. You're kind of probably sat in a hotel room somewhere, not doing an awful lot, and then you've got to wait until the end of the day to get the game going. It was a late kickoff. Um, and all of these, they're, they're very soft factors, but they still play their own role. And just a couple, I think if you rotate, just a couple of players, that brings the, the team's energy up a notch. You, it, it's a very infectious type thing. And I think we missed, I think we missed that a lot more. Well, I, I noticed it in hindsight more than I did during the game. Yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Personally, I, I had no issue with the eleven. I was quite, ha- I was quite happy to see the same eleven after after the Leeds game. Um, my problem was not such a problem, more of an observation. The biggest issue for us this season is, is consistency. We always talk about it regarding referees. We love to use that phrase, but we're just so inconsistent this season. It's it's infuriating, um, and I felt like it's... we never really looked like losing the game. We always looked quite comfortable, um, and there's been a lot of times like that this season where. You've never really felt like we're going to lose the game, but at the same time, you're not going to win the game. And I feel like on another day, we probably win that game 2 or 3 1. Aubameyang scores two of those and. Probably to nil, if anything, because let's remember the only goal they scored was from a quite a harsh handball, a ball fired at, all right, the arms in an unnatural position, but it was, it was rocketed at him. But in hindsight, it was quite a harsh penalty, a penalty nonetheless, if, if they're the rules. Um, but otherwise, Benfica weren't troubling us. And you're absolutely right. They weren't troubling us enough for us to think we're going to lose, but we weren't doing enough at the other end to think we're going to win. Um, so it's quite simply because I felt we were just in cruise. One thing I would say that I found so infuriating was how many offsides we had in that first half. <laughs> yeah, it was... Stay on side. It, it was like, what is going on? Honestly, time and time again. Yeah. Touching upon Benfica's performance, I'm not sure whether they're just poor or that's how they set up to go into that first leg and, and try and like sit back, soak up the pressure, take a take a draw and then go for it in the second leg. I, I don't know too much about them. Um, they're not doing overly well in, this, in the, the Portuguese league. They're fourth, aren't they? Yeah, they were fourth and won one in five. I think because we have a, a, a behind the scenes, we, we brought it up last week, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, I don't think Benfica were great. Possibly there's a part of them that says, right, we're in a neutral venue, but we're still the home team. So we've all we've really got to do is make sure we don't concede away goals here. But at the same time, I felt like they were there for the taking. Those little offsides that you just mentioned, we were offside a lot. And rightly so, that they, they weren't wrong refereeing decisions. They were offside. But those moments, they really break up play because it's not, you know, a lot of the time, Bakaya Saka had his back to the goal um, when he was offside and he's playing these little wall passes. So we're not through with these offsides. But what it does is it hands back possession to the other team. You can't build any sustained pressure because you're constantly giving away a free kick and they can lump it out their half or, or keep the ball. And it's a real momentum killer when you're offside that often. Mm. And so, yeah, I felt like Benfica, ultimately, we could have gone through them if we really wanted to. 
actually just another thing. It's just it's just coming to my mind. So sorry if I'm rambling. But that pitch was horrendously soggy. It was so wet and the ball was not travelling well at all. So maybe that doesn't help us and a player like Odegaard, who's so good at three balls, as he showed on his debut against Villa. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors taken into consideration, but ultimately I felt like it boiled down to Benfica weren't great. We were in cruise control. And, uh, yeah. I mean, also, it was a night game, so maybe the players couldn't see properly. I don't know. Any... (laughs) (laughs) Think of any excuse. The grass was too long. The, 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 no, I don't want to use the pitch as an excuse because both teams have to play on it. You some know? of the players but when you've, they're in their armour. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But it, it is, it's also, when we're a footballing team, we're, we're a passing type team and you've got somebody like Odegaard who loves to slip a through ball in, having that horrendously soggy pitch that just slows everything down probably suits Benfica more than it does us. Yeah. I think, you know, to summarise, it was just pretty flat, wasn't it? Um, I really feel like people need to readjust their expectations of Arsenal right now. I'm not happy where we are. I don't like to accept where we are because right now we are essentially, what, a mid-table, mediocre team. We're good in our day. And that's that's the worrying thing, isn't it? We're good in our day. And I feel like there's there's, there's too much expectancy from this team. Yeah, we, we beat Leeds 4-2. We played very well. But the week before that, you know, we, we went to Villa Park and produced one of the flattest 90 minutes I've seen all season. And we, and we only lost that game 1-0. It just seems like there's this unrealistic expectancy. I totally see your point, And I don't disagree with your point in any way. I think we're, we're not the same team as we were when we were qualifying Champions League yearly, let alone Invincibles, right? This isn't the same team. Um, so you do, as much as we desperately, desperately want to be there, and there's a historical element that says we should be there. Ultimately, nobody has a right to be there, and you have to temper expectations to where this squad is at the moment. On the other hand, I, I disagree with what you said about Villa. I thought we were brilliant against Villa, largely. We did a stupid thing and we couldn't score the goal, but largely we played very, very good football. A lot of good football in that game from us. Um, so... I think if the Benfica game happens and it's in isolation and you don't, we don't have the start of the season that we did have, again, it's all this, but some maybes, of course it is. But you kind of look at it and go, you know what? It was just one of those games. Sometimes they happen. Man City have them. Liverpool have them. Everyone has them. It's because we've done, we've been utter crap during the first half third of this season or so that it, it plays on your mind when you see another game when it happens again but actually in terms of our recent form let's say from Chelsea onwards when we've been really quite good that is a game where you go you know what it was one of those games maybe maybe <laughs> results wise it's not because we haven't got the results our performances deserved in my opinion at least as I said I thought we were very good in, in large parts against uh, Villa we were very good against Wolves. Uh, I, I mean, you know, Wolves, we should have won both I, I would, those games. I, I would agree with the Wolves one. I thought we were excellent in that first half, and we should have put the game to oh, bed. Father betting, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I still don't really know how we lost it. Um, he, you know what? After the game, I was very sort of angry with the referee. Um, I'm going really off piece here, but like on reflection, looking back, I sort of feel like we caved in that second half, even though we had ten men, like. 
we we completely changed our approach whereas i think in hindsight we should have probably just really said listen you know we, we we've lost that extra man you know we, we just sort of everyone needs to up their game 20 percent, and we need to sort of try and uh, you know maintain the the, the level of uh, of temper to the game and and I feel like we, we could have probably won the game, but we see, we seem just to go into a show and sort of try and play for the draw. Yeah, against Wolves, I don't want to... I, I know we're going off piece, as you say. I don't want to go too far back. Against Wolves, I, I totally agree with you. But I know, and I noticed it more when we went down to nine men. I thought even with 10 men, we'd be the better team, but ultimately we were beaten by a worldy strike and a lapse in concentration that's punished to the absolute maximum. Um, but my, my, the broader point is we were the better team against Wolves I thought we were better than Villa um, we are a better team than Benfica um, and we had an off day I thought that was the first time really we've had a real off day performance wise I stress performance not result performance wise that was our biggest off day we've had in a long long time in, in my opinion yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we, we've just had too many off days this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what's punished us. Yeah, we, we've been absolutely dire at the start of the season. But I, I'm just trying to contextualise, it, it, you know, do, how far back do we consider our form, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, definitely, like, we're not... I mean, it was pretty bleak back in November, wasn't it? We're not there anymore. But it, I really felt like we turned the corner prior to Wolves. I'm finding hard to be positive anymore. Like I, I genuinely was concerned back uh, before Christmas that it sounds silly now, actually, but I was worried about whether we were going to have a, a relegation fight because we were literally sat right above the relegation zone. Maybe it was a little bit silly, a little bit naive to think that, you know, that would happen. Um, and f- thank God we're not going down. <laughs> but yeah, no. uh, it, it just feels so like, depressing that the fact that, you know, we're not even in March yet. And our season is essentially done. Um, but we've got, you know, we're not going to make top four, top six. Pff, I can't really see it happening. So, you know, it's all well and good saying like, you know, we're lucky here, we're, you know, lucky there. But ultimately, you know, our failings are clear to see there's a reason that we are 10th in the Premier League. You know, that is a fair <laughs> reflection of this team. I think we're very fortunate in some aspects where we've got some very good players, um, but we've got a lot of passengers. You know, even some of our best players, like Aubameyang, he's been a complete passion this season. Like, you you know, we'll come on to Man City in a second, but you look at his performance on Sunday, it was just like, come on, mate. Like, completely absent. Yeah. It's almost like looking at two completely different seasons, where we were and where we are now. Um, again, I go back to, it's at what point do you consider our form? And I feel like, ultimately, where we are now, Performance-wise, this is probably roughly what Arteta's wanting. Where we're slipping up is in the details, uh, the decision-making and concentration. Um, you know, I can go in all day about what we did wrong against Man City, um, against other teams, but I, I looked at it and I went, there were four games this season where, due to individual errors, that's cost us 12 points. Burnley. Xhaka gets sent off and absolutely kills us. We lose that game. We would not have lost that game if Xhaka gets sent off. I guarantee you we were by far better. We were so good um, against Burnley. We just couldn't find um, that, that final ball. Yeah, exactly. And then 
Wolves, I know whatever we think of the refereeing decision, it comes because Leno does a goal, uh, a goal kick. It's a minute past injury time, and we all go, oh, as soon as Leno kicks it, referee will blow his whistle. The referee doesn't. So Wolves take advantage of us falling asleep, and we get punished to the hilt. But it's our mistake. The source is our mistake. So there's six. Villa, two minutes in, and the game's dead because we can't come from behind in these games. Against City, uh, I know City probably still would have won the game, but we shoot ourselves in the foot from two minutes behind. And we've got to do, we're in the same position where we can't come from behind to try and win a football game because we can't score and beat a deep block. So that's 12 points this season. I'm not saying we would get all 12 points, but even if we picked up four points, it changed the complexity of our season massively. And it's all from us shooting ourselves in the foot because performance-wise, we've been great, but we shot ourselves in the foot. It's interesting what you say about you know, shooting ourselves in the foot. One thing to, to know, and I, whether this is our terror or maybe it's tactically, we need to be better at getting back into these games. Like everyone knows, mm-hmm. if we go behind, it's done. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what happens... I think- that, Bringing like two subs on the last 10, 15 minutes and coming back and winning the game two, two or three, one, you know, it, these things happen all the time. You know, you, you see teams like Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, uh, probably even Tottenham, you know, they all do it. You know, you're chasing the game, you make a few subs, boom, you win the game. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen for yeah. us. I mean, how many times have I, probably during Ferguson's era, or I've even seen Spurs do it in their recent seasons under Pochettino, how many times have I seen them go behind and I go, I don't even know why I'm getting my hopes up because I know they'll come back. I know they'll get one and then they'll, um, and then they'll get a seconds and they'll yeah. go on and win the game. That's but part of football, it, but it doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. We just know it doesn't. I think we've gone behind 1-0 11 times this season. Do you know how many times we've uh, gone on to uh, lose the game? Go on. Nine. Nine. And that is what 11 times. podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I've seen it. I've Bring seen the stat somewhere else. It's not my stat. I saw it somewhere <laughs> else earlier today. Um, Take full credit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely spot on. It is a problem. I don't know whether it's whether our team needs more experience. Tactically, when things aren't going our way, there isn't always a plan B or C or D or E. You know, we our team does lack that sort of. He doesn't take enough risks, maybe. Or like you know, when we're chasing the game and he brings Willian on, it's like. Yeah, I agree with you in terms of substitutions, but actually, I, I part agree, I part don't. And the reason why is I think with substitutions, where it's quite obvious uh, to, to see, his substitutions and decision-making there, I think, is questionable when I have a criticism of Arteta there. You know, I love Arteta. I think he's very, very good, and I rate him a lot higher than probably most Arsenal fans. But that is a, a criticism I have. But actually... If you look at our best times during the course of a season, uh, if you go back, I mean, this season, our best quarter of the game always comes after half time, where Arteta's been looking at the game and gone, right, we need to tweak something here, gives his instructions to the players. And the next 15, 20 minutes or so were brilliant. It's the first quarter of that second half. We also always used to come back, I don't know if you remember, but post lockdown, when we had the we little break. always this. Every time after a water break, that was when we were good. Yeah, and that's right. Arteta seeing things and communicating to his team that this is what we need to do to improve. And we started looking better. So I think in that respect, Arteta's got it. 
I just don't think he, he's quite got how to make the right substitutions in game to affect to affect the the match result. So I agree with you there. Okay, so jumping into the weekend's game against Man City, um, we didn't lose by a cricket score. Is 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 the yeah. mild? Probably uh, the biggest compliment you can give, especially the first ten minutes. If you were giving it, saying that to us, we could have been six nil down. We, to be honest, after that opening spell. Yeah, it was a really, really interesting game. And yeah, I had no expectations going into the game. So I don't know why anyone's pissed off. I see loads of people on Twitter going, you know what? I'll just whatever, don't care, right off, don't care for Man City. And then they, the same people Assuming. come out after the game going, I can't believe you just lost to Manchester City. Like, yeah. like take your pick. <laughs> I saw that. I, I went into it with no expectations, none at all. Um, the first 10, 15 minutes, I was frightened. Like, I was terrified. I thought we were in for an absolute slaughtering. I thought Southampton might be looking quite good, um, <laughs> the, the rate this was going. Um, it felt like men v boys, didn't it? And when we got the ball, it was like, it was sort of like, you know, have the ball back, don't want it, go away. Like, it was, it was awful. We it was dreadful. To touch the ball. And every time we did, we just gave it away. We, it was like, it was embarrassing at the time. Yeah, and then something after about 15 minutes switched and we started to make smarter decisions with the ball. Uh, the thing I always teach when I'm coaching is regain and retain. When you regain possession, three passes, three, four, five passes, keep the ball. Especially when you're in this game, not when you're not trying to break, you're trying to use a possession-based game. Regain and retain. When you regain the ball, it doesn't matter what fucking direction it goes in, you couldn't give a rat's ass. Retain it. Go backwards, go sideways if you have to. Um, for the first 15 minutes, we couldn't do it for love nor money. After 15 minutes, we did it excellently, superbly. I know we want to go forward with the ball, and I know we probably want to do it sooner than the three, four, five passes I just mentioned. We can't do it against City because we can't keep up with their pace. So regain and retain is perfectly fine by me. I thought we did it superbly after 15 minutes, and... Um, noticeably, it was when Xhaka started to pick up his game it, it is the one that I noticed it. I did feel like Man City didn't really get out of second gear. Um, once no. they got that goal, I think they were like, yeah, this is, this is over, lads. Arsenal ain't going to score today. Did we register a shot on target? I can't remember. One. A pot shot from Tierney from about 30 yards at an angle. There, there, we, there we go. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw someone say, oh, wow, you know, if, you know, if we defended better, you know, City wouldn't have scored. Well, maybe they wouldn't have scored then. If they hadn't scored that goal, they would have scored again. Yeah, they, they yeah. were not running on um, 100%. No way they weren't, um, which, you know, shows the, the golfing quality, that they can sort of run at 80 75% and still comfortably beat Arsenal at, at the Emirates. Not that home and away has any advantage anymore without the fans. Um, you, you know, it's completely... They may as well be playing in the games in bloody Exeter or, you know, Carlisle. You know, it, it's just, it just means nothing. The, the, the home and away advantage is completely, uh, completely irrelevant. One thing I'd like... How can I, how can I articulate this? I think if we're playing Spurs, let's say, Jose Mourinho, basic, not necessarily Spurs, but Jose Mourinho, who loves to park the bus... If we're playing against that sort of team, and I know they like to park the bus, I'm with you 100%. It was false dominance. It was us pretty much going nowhere and them keeping us at arm's length. 
and I, I'm with you on that. But that's not Man City's game. Man City suffocate you by getting a goal up and they just kick the ball from you. They don't let you get the ball because they know they can't concede. If, I know it sounds really obvious, but you can't score a goal if you don't have the ball, right? So Man City use that to their benefit and keep hold of the ball. And they do it. Ex- they, they're the best team in the world at keeping hold of the football. Just so good at it. Um, that's how Man City suffocate you. But they didn't do that to us. We, there, there were a lot of times we had large chunks of possession of the ball. And we didn't gift it back. To, it's not like Man City got it back from us quickly and kept hold of it and recycled and waited for an opening and then took another chance that came their way. We had long periods of possession they, that they, where they couldn't get hold of the ball. So I felt there were a lot of times when actually we were quite good up against this Man City team and they couldn't execute their typical game plan. Now, whether that was intentional, maybe Man City changed it for one game, but they don't normally do that. So that gives me a reason to think that actually we, we didn't let Man City impose their usual game plan and stifling us and suffocating us the way they do to every other team. We said, you know what, fuck you, I'm coming and I'm having this ball and I'm progressing it through the thirds. And we got into nice positions and then our, our old failings came up uh, where, we, where we can turn those positions into shooting opportunities and, and goals. Yeah, it, it really was in the final third, wasn't it? There was a few times when Saka made some good runs and the ball was just off. It was just a little bit sloppy. Um, I know what you're saying, though. One thing I'd say about Man City is they are, you know, an incredible team. Um, and, and it's not even the best Man City team under Guardiola. You know, you, you look at the teams he's had, you know, they've got Aguero on the bench. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne has just come back from injury. You know, you know it goes to show that the, the sheer quality and depth that they have. Yeah, um, you're right. There, there is a gulf in quality. Exactly as you put, there is a large gulf in quality. I just like that we said that, you know what, you're not going to suffocate us like you normally do to every other team on the planet. We're going to have a bit of a go at you. And we did. We, we got the ball back and we progressed it through the thirds. And it's details in the final third and we're still not getting those details right. And when you play a team as good as Man City, exactly as you said, when the gulf is so big between us, all those details have to be right. They have to be right. Uh, And we don't do it nearly enough. I do agree with what you're saying, but I also believe that like Man City, even though we, we did dominate the possession and we did look quite comfortable at times, you know, whenever they nick the ball off us, Within seconds, they were, you know, up the other end. Mm. They always looked more likely to score than we did. So, mm-hmm. for, yeah, yeah, yeah. so for all the the, the 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 play that we had and the good things that we did, they were always the, the far more likely to go on and score a second, a third, a fourth. That's why they would maybe have more. They were happy to sit off and 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 wait for us to make a mistake and try and nick a second goal on on, on the break. There was a big debate on, on Twitter about this, you know, whether towards the end of the game, you know, do you, you know, throw the kitchen sink at City and, and try and get back into the game and risk like, losing two or three nil, or do you, you know, keep it tight and try and nick a goal? Um, because, because, you know, either way you can't win because, you know, we, we've lost one nil and we're having the conversation and, and, and I certainly feel like we didn't really, we did ask enough questions of Man City at all. I mean, all game, not just towards the end of the game, but then at the same time, let's say we, you know, we lose three or four nil. How often have we been up there? We've been you know, whacked four or five nil. We've been to Anfield, and there was that period under Arsene Wenger where, you know, every season we were getting thumped by the top four. Yeah, you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place a little bit, aren't you? I think is ultimately where where you're going. Um, yeah, I, I did get the impression that if we 
did actually get somewhere near their goal, be it the bar, let's say, for example, then all they'll do is up the gears and, and they'll be, they'll, they'll score again. And I go, no, you're in your place again now. I just, I just like the fact that they, they couldn't do it their normal way. And that was largely, I felt, because of us, because we retained, we, we, uh, I go back to regain and retain. We regained the ball and we retained it quite well. And, we, and, and City are usually so good at getting the ball back and, and stifling you and suffocating you with possession. And we didn't let them. And, and we progressed through the thirds. We're just not good enough. There is a goal from quality. And you're right, they, they were the more likely to score another goal. And they, they were in second gear. They were never at their best. It reminded me very much when we went to the Etihad. Uh, we lost 1-0. It was a very close game. I think it was Sterling who scored then as well. Was it like a, it was a rebound, I think. Um, I can't remember it off. Of, I can't remember the details like the goal, but I, I think the difference was that as I've come away and my, my impressions of the game now that I've had a couple of days to sit on it and obviously much longer for the, the reverse, as I came away from this thinking we had much more of the ball, maybe the stats will say otherwise, but I felt like we did. And we just moved it through the thirds better. We, we beat their lines, their, their lines that they set up. We beat their lines much better in this, this leg, if you want to call it, as you said. Um, and it was the details uh, that let them in and, and to score. And it was our details in the final third that let us down. And actually, let's also just take a moment to remember that Man City has very subtly been very good defensively this season. They've cut 23 clean sheets all season. That's about as many games as we've played in the entire Premier League. Yeah, John, I know the 23 Stones, comes. Who was, you know, looked like he was out the door in the summer and fallen out of favour. Brilliant. Did, it's been uh, an incredible job. I'm just putting up the stats here. Uh, we had 45% possession to their 55. So, but we had one shot. It's fairly even split. They only had one shot. We had one shot on targets, they're free. Uh, they had they had fifteen shots in the whole game to us seven. Um, going going back to what I was trying to say about the the away the leg at City, um, I felt like that was very similar to this game in the fact that you know City didn't really create much, but we were so reluctant to go after them. I think it was the game where we put Willian in as a number nine, the false nine, yeah. And yeah. we just I remember watching it. I was, I was actually at the pub. Forest um, knows what that's like because I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I watched at the pub and I was so angry because I felt like we could have got something from the game. Not necessarily have won the game, but I felt like we just didn't ask enough questions. And it was like this, you know, I remember after that game, there was a lot of talk about, you know, Arteta was trying to be too smart with his tactics, you know, trying to outsmart Pep. And I feel like he did it again in this game. For example, you know, moving Saka to the left and Pepe to the right, where, you know, we've seen all season that Pepe's best on the left and Saka's, you know, doing really well on the right. Like, why would you, it just, things like that, you know, seem very strange. Yeah, and I agree with you in some part that you felt like, oh, if I knew, maybe we could have got something out of it. And I think if we were better in the final third, if we were better at scoring goals, I think we would have asked more questions. Um, but but to your to your last point there, I think, yeah, you can question it in hindsight because we didn't get the win. But we also don't know what happens if he does keep them the same sides. Maybe we... Because maybe Saka's doing a job there that goes a bit unnoticed. Um, and, and we... Something happens and, you know, it's, it's not based on one change, but maybe we lose that game 2 or 3 nil instead. And the outcome looks different. You go, oh, well, so this was only a temporary improvement. So it's like... We don't know what the other side of the coin would have looked like. It's all listen, but as is football, though, you know, we we all say yeah, yeah, yeah. we all look at what you live or die by decisions you make. Yeah, 
So, listener, last week we started a new section on the podcast. Uh, on this day, on that day, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's just me and Liam tonight, but f- for my uh, entertainment, we're going to do it anyway. So, Liam, a little bit easy one, actually, to be honest. Uh, we're only going back a year. So, on this day in 2020, Arsenal played Everton. We won the game 3-2. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember it. I, I tried to get a ticket and fly over, but I couldn't in the end. Um, well, you missed a bouter. It was a good I know I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a brilliant game. Well, probably must, more for the neutral. Must have been one of the last as well with fans in. Um, one off, yeah. March, early March was the last one, so it couldn't have been far away. So, I'll give you a formation. It was, okay. uh, it was a 4-2-3-1 we went with. So... The floor is yours, my friend. Can you remember the lineup? Leno in goal. It's, it's the easy one out of the way. Back four. If I remember rightly, I think Kolasinac started at left back. So I think Saka came on. So I'm going to say Kolasinac at left back and at right back. Probably must have been Bellerin. I can't. Yeah. Must three have been out Bellerin. of three. Oh, yes. Machinating, mate. Centre back. Right. Centre backs. Now Mari was injured. No, no, he wasn't injured. No, he wasn't. So maybe was Mari in? Don't overanalyze it. You'll kick yourself. I'm trying to remember who we also had because we had the Knights of Socrates who played for a while under Arteta. Uh, I'll go Holding and Mari. No, it's Mustafi and David Louise. Oh, forgot about Mustafi. Yeah, he had a period where he played. In- it's probably good to forget about Mustafi. Um, yeah, I have clearly three out of five so far. Um, hold midfielders, Shaka and must have been Spiles. Yeah, boom. And then we've got we've got a front four, so three and then one in front. Um, Aubameyang, Ozil. And Pepe. Yeah. And then Nketi are up front. Yes. Well, I good. remember because he scored one of my uh, very, very nice goal, actually. I remember. I knew it was Nketi and not Lacazette. I didn't think you'd get that. I thought that was a really good one. Well done. Um, spot on, mate. So, yeah, it was uh, Leno, Bellerin, Mustafi, David Luiz, Glasnach, Xhaka Tavares, Pepe, Ozil, Ober, and Nketiah. And then on the bench... Uh, with Socrates, Lacazette, Torreira, Nelson, Martinez, Guendouzi, Saka. Saka came on for Kalaznach, Torreira came on for Sabias, and Guendouzi came on for Ozil. Mm. Can you remember who scored the goals? Uh, yeah, and Ketia got the first one, the equaliser, and then Aubameyang twice. Boom. Man with knowledge. I mean, that was a very easy one. So Yeah, I'm trying to remember Everton's goal scores. Let's go one more. Uh, trying to show off now. No, I know Calvert-Lewin scored a bastard of a goal. Yeah, in the first minute. Yeah, Cavalier. Did he get the second one as well? No. It was in the I first half, though. Yeah, it was. I can't Late remember. Injury time. He still plays for them. Still plays for them. I think he's... Uh, Richarlison. Yes. Richarlison. Yeah. Only other one who scores for him. <laughs> I really rate him, actually. Um, yeah. I wouldn't mind him. Less so. Mm. I, I do less so. Did uh, pretty good, then. Good job Calvin's not here, because we'd be here all night, to be honest. <laughs> Still be on the keeper. <laughs> was Emmy playing yet, or had Leno been injured yet? <laughs> was it Almunia? <laughs> Harking it back to Layman. No, I don't know him well enough. I don't know if I know him well enough to do this yet. 
<laughs> Hopefully, he doesn't come and rip me to shreds next. No, it's absolutely fine. Uh, he'll be listening to this. Though. Sorry, mate. We love you, really. <laughs> Just don't edit that bit out when I'm apologising. Don't leave in all my uh, all my no, slander. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. He'll, no, he, he probably thinks um, David Seaman is, is is our like second choice keeper. So honestly, I wouldn't worry about it. Um, Bob Wilson. Speaking of, uh, we, we mentioned going to stadiums. Boris announced that. Did we say it was in May that 10,000 fans? I saw it on the news and it was 10,000 fans and it, I think it was going to be just in time for the last game, right? Yeah, it's Brighton, isn't it? Is that it Brighton? Be, I think it's Brighton. Oh, that, be oh, mid-table six-pointer. Mid-table six-pointer. With these, you know, uh, social distancing restrictions, if they're lifted, it essentially means that, you know, we can get back into stadiums next season. Um which I, for one, can't wait. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm so bored. Obviously, you living in the Netherlands, you watch a lot of games on telly, but the, even just watching them, watching them at the pub with like a bit of atmosphere, I don't know about mm. you, but watching them at home, I find so boring, especially when there's no fans in the ground as well. Even with the fan noise, it just seems completely soulless. Yeah, a little bit. I, I've started to really enjoy the coaching side of the game, though. So without the fans... I think having no fans has taken emotion out of the game, which is a criticism, not a criticism, that's the wrong word. It, it's, a, it's a downside to, to current COVID football, obviously, but it does help me look at it from a coach's point of view. And I've, I've tried to sort of um, you know, make the most of that, let's say. And I, 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 want the, I like football for what it is. It's an emotional game, but at least I've been able to explore the coach's side, just trying yeah. to see it from... I think once like life returns to normal, it's going to be a lot more difficult because you know, life just gets in the way and, and you're not always going to be at home or you're not always going to be able to watch all the games. So that's when it's going to be a little, you know, especially from a podcast standpoint, I said to Calvin, like, you know, sometimes I'm just doing stuff and I can't always watch the football. So it's like, you just have to go. Yeah, off. I'll make, I guess living abroad, I've made the time to be able to do it. Like it's, I've, I've got into the habit of making the time, but I think, I mean, I don't know. Do you go to games often? I go to a few. Uh, I used to go regularly um, and then had a few years out of it. I was traveling. Uh, I was working in the States as well for, for, for a few years on and off and I was in New Zealand. So I was just getting back into it on the regular um, lap of 2019. And then <laughs> obviously COVID was like, I don't think so. Uh, 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 uh. No, okay, fair enough. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe you'll see this as well, but from... I do find myself less emotionally involved, as I just said. And I think also knowing that there's still no fans in the stadium where it's more the same COVID situation also can feel depressing. I think when we see fans back in there, and I felt it a little bit when we had the Europa League. Was it Vienna? I think Mm. we had like a 1,000 fans in. I think if we get to a stage when there's 10,000 fans in the stadium, and, and even for me seeing it on TV, even though I've got different restrictions and rules in a different country, I think it's just... I can then see an, a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, as, as bleak as that really sounds, it, it does help you then go, right, all right, we're getting out of this COVID mess. We're going to have our, our Arsenal back. And, you know, away from Arsenal, then you, you start to feel like it, it can play football in other aspects and yeah. just get back to normal life. No, definitely. I think we'll appreciate it a lot more. I remember last season, there was a few games where I could have gone and I passed the opportunity. Like, I remember I could have gone to West Ham away. Do you know, we beat them 3-1 that Monday night. Um, oh, under the Jumberg. Yeah, and I could have gone, and I yeah. just, and I was like, oh, I remember I was working the Tuesday, and I was like, nah, it's a late game. I'm, I'm probably gonna miss it, and I, and I kick myself now because I think, oh god, little did I yeah, know. I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because before I moved away, 
when we it was yeah. Freddy's one of Freddy's games was two all, I believe. Was it two or was it one all? It was it was a score draw, wasn't it? Two all, um, yeah, I think. And then we had a we had a penalty retake as well. Yeah, Aubameyang. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was two two because Aubameyang did score one from open play to, as well. Well remembered. But no, I, I get. I kind of know where you're coming from because before I moved over here, I, I saved every penny. I, I used to go as regularly as I could based on as much money I was earning. Remember, I was only about 20 at the time. <laughs> so I went as regularly as I could with all money I had and all the travel and all that. But the last year, so during Emery's first season, basically, I didn't go to a single game under him just simply because I spent the whole time saving up yeah. every penny I had. And I really do wish I'd just gone to gone to one more near the end, just spent that extra bit uh, to yeah. go to that one at the end. So I know what you mean. Day. It's like, yeah, yeah, you do. You're absolutely right. You just kind of, oh, I wish I did that because we took, yeah, you're right. We took it for granted. It's interesting what you say because I really sort of um, uh, resonate with that because when I was like 20, that's when I was going quite a lot. I used to go to a lot more away games. So I, try, I, try, I usually go to about 10 or 11 away games and like go to like a handful of home games. Um, but being like 20, you know, not earning that much money and, you know, one thing that always really bugged me is obviously the ticket cap now on away games. But before we'd always be category A because we're Arsenal, so whoever you'd play, you'd be A. So you'd always pay like top dollar. It was so frustrating. So you know, you think train, match ticket, beers, food. You know, you're talking a hundred pounds, and then it, you know it just yeah. got to the point where you know when I was only earning probably about a grand a month, less than that, probably you know working at Sainsbury's at the time. Um, but it's different now. You know, I work on the railway now. Um, I get free rail travel as well, which is fantastic. So. <laughs> I can, helps, yeah. I can literally go anywhere in the country, you know, for free, uh, pretty much. And yeah, and we've like the, yeah, 30, right. the thirty pound ticket caps. It's it's so easy. Uh, it's just it's just getting tickets now. Um, you know, I do know a few people, so it's more who you know. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's going to be interesting because uh, I think a lot of people are happy to give them away and build up their away points and be happy with that. But I think because we always used to take it for granted and we realised that actually we quite love going to football, I think they'll be even harder to come by. I think they'll be really... They must be... I, I never got away tickets anyway because uh, the Emirates was easier for me to get to. It was a yeah. one-line train and, and all that stuff. Yeah, home um, games are easy, aren't they? I think you're going to need to know a few more of those guys, though, because they're going to become... When football is back to normal, we've got fans in the stadium, especially if it is still capped, like 10,000 sounds like a lot, yeah. but it's a 60,000-seat stadium we've got. Um, they're going to become gold dust. Uh, well, I think so initially. I think for the first few moments, but like anything, you know, it will be like, you know, the, you know once the sort of novelty wears off and life life will return to normal very fast in many... Yeah, yeah I suppose. Yeah. Commitments will come back. And yeah, it just sort of happens. So anyway, mate, I'm just, I'm wary of the time. Uh, I don't want to keep you for, for much longer. I know you've got curfew soon over there. <laughs> you've got about two yeah. hours before you've got to go stay in stay inside it's wonderful fun over here do you even go out for the shop or anything if you have to go out or you literally have to stay at home i mean if you have to go out for a doctor's or you you have to go some vets because you're your pet's ill or something then you can do it. and certain services are like food takeaways are still running um so you can still order a takeaway and the people outside can still deliver it uh, I think if you're also traveling home from work, like say you work at a hospital, you're traveling to or from the hospital, then obviously you can around around the curfew hours. But otherwise, no, you can't go to the shops. The shops have to shut earlier. Um, not that we have many shops open. It's only the essentials. Uh, 
um, um, Albert Hein we have over here, the equivalent of Tesco. Um, but even then, it's not like Tesco because they don't have anything in it other than literally the food. <laughs> um, they literally have food, kitchen appliances, and that's it. Um, they are quite spoiled over here with our ridiculous amount of... Um... Funnily enough, yeah, the one thing I really missed when I first moved here was a fucking Tesco. Because Tesco didn't just wasn't just your food shopping, it had electronics. So if I needed to replace a, a charging cable, I'd go to Tesco and pick also, a charging cable up. Also, the meal yeah. deal. I mean, who doesn't love a meal deal? And I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick and Triple, bag of Monster Munch, and a, and a smoothie. Boom. What else do you need with us? <laughs> Can't, yeah, I know. No, it, yeah, it is just more, though, that if I need a charging cable, I have to go to a specific shop to get it. Or if I need uh, to touch the food with anything away, um, I don't know, pots and pans or something. Amazon Prime, that's you know, what you want, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well, Amazon have actually only recently come to the Netherlands. Yeah. Only recently. Uh, we have Bold, though, uh, Bold.com, which is essentially Amazon. I think you're gonna yeah. tell the other half that you need to move back to the UK to say, listen, I can't deal, I can't deal with do this. I need my Tesco. I need my Tesco. Well, on that, um, we'll call it a day. Um, if, you, if you've uh, you know, joined us tonight, you know we appreciate you stopping by and listening to the podcast. Uh, thank you for coming on, Liam. Always a pleasure, mate. Right, thank you. My pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Liam is at Groninguna, I believe. Yeah, if you want to pronounce it Dutch way, it's Groninguna. Or if you want to actually be able to spell it, Groninguna. There we go. So you say Gronin again in that fantastic accent? Groningen. That's fantastic. You know, that's worth the ticket price alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone says it's one of the hardest things to pronounce in Dutch. I found it quite easy, but there you go. You're a pro, mate. Uh, you, can also, you can also find me at In The Clock End. And uh, if you want to find Calvin, who's usually here, but he's taking a break tonight, you can find him at underscore the arse underscore. Uh, so we'll pick this up after uh, Benfica and Leicester thanks mate and I'll see you soon thanks